Hi, Jess. How are you? Happy Friday. I'm good. What a what a song to mark number 150. Yeah, exactly. It's number 150. Let's fucking go. <laughs> there's our rating back. Yep, there's the explicit back. It's all good. Uh, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you? Happy Friday. Uh if Steve Jewell likes the song, that's all good. So um, welcome, everyone, to the uh, Now of Work Digital Meetup, episode number 150. Uh, so excited to uh, have you guys here today and um, excited to uh, for a really, really great, uh, great show. Uh, for those of you listening to this later, which I know more people listen to it later than listen to it uh, live, um, it's Friday, April 14th. Uh, and it's officially in Minneapolis, where Jess and I are at the moment, spring. Or one yeah. might actually say summer. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice. Yeah. I was actually hot yesterday. <laughs> so I, I've, I'm like the dumb Minnesotan that goes from complaining about it being cold to all of a sudden saying I'm hot in one week. I'm sort of embarrassed to admit something, Jason. I turned on my AC. See, here we go. <laughs> but for those of you scoring at home, there is a chance of snow yeah. on Saturday and Sunday. Now, I think I said something last week on this podcast that if we ever did this and there was snow on the ground, I forgot what I said. I was going <laughs> to move away. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. But yeah. uh, if that snow stays on the ground, we're going to be in it's, I'm not going to be happy. I know. I uh, and it's the first, my son, Alex's first varsity baseball game today. Oh, it's perfect weather. Yeah, oh, my 5 God. At 5 p.m. So, uh, yeah, very, very excited for, uh, very, very excited for that. Uh, so, once again, welcome, everyone. Hopefully, I'm not sure if we have anyone new. Uh, the numbers would say we have people new. But if anyone's new here, let us know in the chat. I know our guest is new, which is great. But we do this every Friday. Steve, we missed the dip into Lake Harriet this year. Oh, Sorry wow. about that. Uh, Eric, it's 100 this week. So uh, he's going to be sweating as our guest today. Um, Mark, my son, is a shortstop and a pitcher. So uh, he's not starting today. So he's starting at shortstop. And uh, his plan is to start the next game, so he's probably not going to pitch. But, um, yeah, it should be good. So, anyway, um, we do this every Friday. Uh, we get together as a community, um, 3,169 people today, which is great. And uh, I know there's a lot of people on spring break and a lot of people probably listening while they're doing other things. There's sun in Portland, so it's a rare day for everything. But um, great to be here. Um, I see the green call-out at the bottom says, uh, we'll be at Unleash, will you? Um, once again, uh, Unleash is a big conference in Las Vegas that's coming up uh, in a week and a half. Uh, for those of you that uh, need help, please let us know. Um, uh, getting there, and uh, well, we're not going to charter a plane or anything from every city, but uh, we've got some passes. Uh, had a great call this morning with the organizers of Unleash. We have about 2,000, 2,100 people going to be there. So, really, and Brad's coming. Uh, thanks to awesome. Thanks to Leapjin. So glad you'll be there, Brad. And we have a lot of community members there as well. Uh, we always start this um, Friday with the same kind of thing. And, uh, you know, the first one is to welcome anyone new. Everyone in the chat, please put your LinkedIn address if you can. It's great to get people connected. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to do that, of course. Anyone new, let us know that you're new. And 
at the same time, you know, what I think is one of the most important questions in the world, how are you? You know, and we always ask this question every Friday, you know, responses are easy, nothing too analytical, green, yellow, red, green, feel great today. I'm ready to go. Eminem just got me going. Uh, yellow, so-so, it's been a hard week, um, hard day for whatever reason, and red, um, hey, not great. Um, so everyone in the chat, let us know, green, yellow, red. Um, we've got some greens, we've got some light greens, we've got some light turning dark, we've got some greens, wow. we always have yellows. Um, for those of you that are yellow or for those of you that are red, I always say, please reach out. Um, I have a funny story to tell you about this. Uh, there's my cell phone number, I just put it in the chat. Um, this all the time. Text me. I'd love to chat. Um, I think we as humans are put on the earth to help each other be better people. So please uh, text me, LinkedIn me, connect with me if you want to chat. Um, yellow again, but hopefully my writing class tomorrow will turn me to green. I mean, Jessica, if your writing class doesn't, just go to chat GPT. I'll send you my user ID and password. And no! <laughs> Get Jessica Harvey, and that's what we need. Yes. Uh, Dorothy, just FYI, I can fix your printer. Uh, I fixed my mom's printer last weekend, um, you know, which was a, a problem with the on-off switch, you know. But, uh, yeah, all good. So uh, we can do printer fixing as well. Yes. But if that's your yellow, Dorothy, that's a – I'm going to say it's a first-world problem, and you're in good shape. Uh, the other thing we always start with, the nature writing. Oh, interesting. The other thing that we always start with is just a quick recap from Jess about oh. her week and one or two things that she did or learned, and then me talking about one or two things that I learned, and then we're going to get right into our guest. But uh, Jess, I see to start with, you have no feathers in your ears. I have leather strips. Oh, leather strips. <laughs> and you're not wearing sleeves. Of course not. That this no sleeves now till uh, next December. <laughs> Ooh, ne okay, we're gonna hold you to that next December. Oh God. <laughs> um, so how's your week been? Anything? Uh, anything oh. you want to share? Newsworthy topics? Uh, yeah. So last night I had the honor of attending the Anne Bancroft Foundation annual uh, celebration, their big fundraiser of the year. And if you don't know who Anne Bancroft is, she was the first woman in the world to explore Antarctica, Antarctica and the Arctic. Like literally one of like, she's incredible. She's still, I hate saying still alive. She's alive and with us, but she literally was one of the first and the first women to pioneer uh, in the craziest, most remote places in the world. She's in the National Women's Hall of Fame. I didn't realize there was such a thing. Uh, she started a foundation to provide scholarships and opportunity to women and girls. And guess where she's from, Jason? Mendota Heights, Minnesota. She's a Minnesotan. Oh wow. She's a Minneapolis woman. And she's absolutely incredibly, she's incredible. She's, you know, famous. She's authored. She keynotes all over the world. I was at her foundation uh, gala last night. Um, and it was incredible. It was sort of, it's inspirational for a number of reasons, but you know, I've got Diverse Daisies, my little nonprofit that's out to change the world. The Anne Bancroft Foundation is a grown up version of Diverse Daisies. And I can't believe that, I honestly can't believe we have organizations like this, like my own, like Anne Bancroft. There's so many others in Minneapolis. We, it, these are all local organizations that are literally changing lives every day, changing the world every day. 
um, I can't remember how many grants and fellowships they give out um, to girls who just have to submit an application saying they have an idea or they need something. And if only they had a little bit of sponsorship, it could change the game for them. It was like, ah, my heart was just like, yeah, what an incredible night. So first of all, that's yes. Uh, Maria said Anne Bancroft gave a keynote at her graduation at the University of Minnesota years ago. She's amazing. Love it. Melissa Swift just put a chat in here. Uh, National Women's Hall of Fame is in Seneca Falls. Um, amazing. So interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Now, yeah. I just, uh, oh, Bob's asking who's going to be on this bowling team at Unleash. Uh, <laughs> I, I will be. I will definitely be Bob. But, you know, at a different level, like Gala. Yeah. Did you say gala or gala? I think what I don't know. Did I I would say if you asked me to say the word that's spelled G A L A, I would say gala. Gala. Okay, did I, I say gala? There were a lot of gals at the gala. <laughs> I don't know what you said, but I just think, you know, I just think that first of all, that's a funny word, but second of all, yeah. like I thought I'd find a quick little sound bite to play for you. Mhm. Like that's pretty fancy, don't you think? Like you at a ga gala, gala, whatever it is. Uh -huh. <laughs> very, very uh, impressive. I wore a um, a pink satin rocker blazer. How's that? Can you envision that? It is very impressive, and <laughs> I have to say, just really quickly, I'm just gonna pat myself on the back that I got that sound bite so fast. <laughs> That was not planned. <clears throat> the production quality. Yeah, we have a high budget here. So yeah, production quality. I can't wait to ask. I'm going to ask Eric which way he says the word he just put in. I I think this is a geographical pronunciation for that four-letter word. I'm going to ask him how he says that word. Okay. Being from Good. Phoenix. <laughs> Good. Um, so for me, I have two things. And uh, I think they're interesting. And I'd love for you to think about these over the weekend because I've been thinking about them all week. Not you, Jess. I mean, you can think about it if you want to, too, but for everyone to think about. So the first thing I, that happened to me this week is that someone in LaGuardia Airport came up to me. So I was meeting with one of our clients in New York City. One of our um, someone came up to me in New York City that I had I was I was walking through the airport, probably zoned out end of the day after a long day of meetings coming home on Tuesday. And someone came from our community and gave me a hug. I love that. But I didn't know who it was. Uh, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, someone stops and says, Jason, and gives me a hug. And I didn't know who it was. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it's so good to see you. Like, how's your son feeling? Has he made a decision on college yet? And I was like, interesting i don't know i said I, I hate to say this and i'm really embarrassed but i don't know who you are and they're like yeah we're in the now of work community yeah and i'm not going to say who it is um because i didn't ask them uh if i could but i was like wow really interesting and i do know now who it is yes don i do and i it made me think it made me think about podcasts because mm. I was thinking if we sent out a newsletter, like no one would ever come up to you and hug you at the airport and say, hey, got your newsletter. Uh, I saw that. 
Right. It's truly like people think they're, and they are part of your life because we do this every Friday. We've been doing it for 150 Fridays and we talk about this personal stuff and people think, and they are like part of a family, but I never actually felt it until that moment. That's amazing. So I, I, it's really cool. It was a little bit freaky, but it made me think about media. And I've been thinking about this all week, like the medium in which we communicate, you know, and the difference that a, an email versus a podcast mm. versus any other thing, any other way we might communicate, the difference in how people feel at the other end and then what they do with that going forward. I know that only takes, it takes a weird brain to come up with that, but yeah. it, it made me think about it afterwards. I'm like, wow, this person's been getting our newsletters for a long, I know that, I know who it is. They've been getting our newsletters for a long time. Yeah. But it would have, they would have, first of all, never hugged me. And second of all, never asked me about my kid. So I think it, it's a really interesting discussion when you think about how do we communicate and spread change. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing that I wanted to call out this week that's really, really fascinating to me, and we talked about it a little bit last week, but I've, of course been caught on this topic is this whole Gen Z thing, <laughs> you know, and these Gen Z workers. Yeah. And uh, Gen these, Okay. Even how you said that these Gen Z workers. Yeah. These Gen Z workers are not any different than other generations. I, I've gotten to this point this week. Last week we talked about how weird they were and how different they are. They're not different. They're just growing up. They're growing up in an era where this is what they know. And right. it's gotten me to this, it's gotten me to two P's this word or this week, two P's, mm -hmm. patience and perspective, mm. patience and perspective. I think there are two things that are so important in everyone's life right now. Okay. And you can take them in whatever order you want them to patience. The fact that we have to realize that this whole world isn't like blowing up around us. You know, and the hey, Gen Z, they're all frustrated, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, we need to be patient and learn because we're not going to change them. Like, the, the, what what's happened? The way they're growing up is the way they're growing up. Right. We don't, we're not going to all of a sudden say, hey, welcome to work. Now it's time to change. They're not going to change. So it requires us to be patient and actually spend a second, just a second, not 10 years, a second to understand. And then the second thing is to actually think about the perspective that they approach things from mm -hmm. and realize that it's not right or wrong. It just is. It just is. And in this concept of being digital as, as an HR function, our job is to bring patience and perspective to the whole organization to help them truly understand that. Now, I realize that's a long, long way from a piece of technology in HR tech, but like the number of articles I've seen this week still, and I know it's clickbait as we talked about last week, but at the same time, patience and perspective. And I would just ask you guys to keep that in mind because this week, um, like every time I read something, I just stop and I say, okay, patience, perspective? How do I apply that lens to this and then apply it to what we do? I literally can't wait to hear what Eric has to say about this. 
Well, this was not uh, that was that dude. This was just me. This is just my weird ass brain. I know. We, oh, are you, we're not scripting a segue as if we script a single thing. <laughs> yeah. That happens to be like a golden segue. The other thing I would say that makes it sound patience and perspective makes it sound like this is a, a thing to be tolerated. Oh, we just have to be patient and you know and listen to that. Actually, I think we have a lot of learning to do. The, all these headlines, Gen Z doesn't want to work. No, they don't want to work the way you're asking them to work. <laughs> so let's take a few notes here. When we think about redesigning work and reimagining um, the experience, culture, communications, leadership that people want to experience, there's a whole lot of notes to come from the up and coming generations. And you know what? One other thing just on that note is that this week it may i was in a, a another discussion about this whole return to office thing which is by the way that's never going to end that's just it's not going to be called return to office anymore it's just going to be how we work but yeah. the conversation i thought was so fascinating do you know that one in three people one in three people meet their spouse at work at work i've read a stat like that. or partner at work that's because where that's where you spend all your time that makes yeah, sense and if, and if you think about it a lot of young people young people like newly graduated out of high school or college people like if they don't go to the office they actually need some framework because mm -hmm. I'm going to go out all freaking night if I don't have to show up at the office the next day. So Leia, you met your significant other at work. I love it. I, I, I met my wife at work. I, yeah. I'm one of them. I, that's not a surprise. So I think it's really, really interesting that when we think about this whole return to office, there's a group of us that are like, I don't want to go to the office. Oh, my gosh. It's so blah, 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 blah. Um, yes, Melissa, great session yesterday with you and Robin also. Love that LinkedIn session. But at the same time, I'm going to say offices are not bad. Offices are, they don't have to be bad. They're places that work really gets done. And not just work, culture is built and things like that. So I think it's really, really important for us to keep that in mind as we start talking about kind of this Gen Z and how they do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, enough of my rant, but that's been my week. It's been a lot of work with a lot of really, really exciting clients. Uh, and at the same time, yeah, and, and Cecilia, I love what you just said. Meeting at the office has to be purposeful. Love that. Uh, Jessica, we spend 24% mm -hmm. more of our time at work. Makes sense. That's where we meet people. Leah, I love that, Jess, you used significant other. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Jess for being more appropriate than me as usual. Well, that's no, why did I say as usual? That's not, that's not as usual. I shouldn't have said that. Um, anyway, yes, lots of things. A uh, lot of people yes. do want to go back to work. And I think, excuse me, back to an office. And I think it's just really important we keep all of that in mind. On that note, Jess, um, now that I spent a lot of time talking about my thinking, and you think my brains are all messed up. Uh, let's bring on our guest. Um, I will let you uh, introduce our guest while I do the directing behind the scenes. So I feel like I stumbled on a little bit of gold here. Uh, Eric, while you're coming on, I'm going to read a little something that I found 
that might be, this might be the greatest intro I've ever given for a person. I'm going to read it. This is, if you look up, because Eric is a best-selling author. So if you look at his bio on Amazon, of course, he's the president of Bailey Strategic Innovation Group, his own consultancy, one of the fastest growing communication consulting firms in the country. Here's the bit. Eric has a diverse set of experiences that includes helping an NFL player pet a rhinoceros, doing barrel rolls in an F-16, and chatting with LL Cool J on the campus of Harvard University. Eric, welcome and what? <laughs> it's so Thank good you so much. You. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Amazing. We just have to let you intro yourself. Uh, there's too much there for me to ask about. The, the, yeah, and the, those are all true stories. I actually, I actually have flown an F-16. Uh, I'm a, in a public-private partnership with Luke Air Force Base, where they get a bunch of kind of civic leaders and kind of embed them with a squadron. I was lucky enough to get a fighter squadron. Um, and so I got to go up in an F-16. And at one point, my commander, Demon, he gave me the stick and he said, if you hit it to the left, we'll do a barrel roll. So I actually got to perform barrel rolls and, and I, didn't, I didn't throw up yet. Uh, I, I did later, but uh, yeah, fascinating. But if you want to know the rest of the stories, you're gonna, we're going to have to meet in person. Yeah, totally. Well, we will meet in person. We're I was going to say, speaking of meeting in person, how did we meet Eric? Like, talk about that, Jess. Well, next week is, uh, man, it is spring event season. I tell you that much. Next week is one of the best events we have in our HR people culture space. I don't even call it an HR event. Work Human Live is literally one of the most inspirational. Co like conference doesn't even suit it. It's just a gather. It's a community like mm -hmm. this one. It is a gathering of human beings who care a whole lot about making work work better for people. And Eric, you're one of the keynote speakers. Uh, we love Work Human as well. I'll be there. Melissa Swift is in the audience. She'll be there. A whole bunch of us. I mean, in the six one at the in the six one nine. Yes. Right. You know the six one nine, Jess? No. I knew you wouldn't get that. <laughs> okay, tell me. Eric, you get it right. I'm gu I'm guessing that's a San Diego uh, area code. area code. That's what you call San Diego. The six one nine, Jess. I thought only Atlanta did that. No, oh, no. Okay, okay. I'll be in the six one nine with <laughs> yeah, Eric. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you're speaking next week at Work Human Live. I'm going to ask for all of these stories, but. But first, tell us a little bit about your background. You're obviously, you know, you, you focus a lot on communication and culture and leadership. Jason mentioned a couple of things, Gen Z, return to office. I'm running a panel next week with a bunch of CHROs talking about how to create an empathetic culture in a hybrid work environment. These are all big topics. Like, where do we even start with this, this idea, Eric? Yeah, so so I call myself a recovering HR guy. I, I, I served my time in HR. Yeah. Um, and and I know that most of us we were like, okay, well, how do we fix the behavior? And that that really it didn't fit with me really well. Um, because if we're always trying to fix the behavior, we're gonna have to continually fix behaviors. And so what I started to do was do research on what's going on behind it. What's the brain science behind the behaviors? And if we can understand that, then we can be better able to create an environment where those behaviors just don't exist in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
you know, brain science isn't actually a science. It's a combination of psychology and linguistics and neuroscience and all, all these different uh, um, uh, disciplines. And so that's what I do. So when we talk about doing leadership development, I do it from a brain science standpoint. We do uh, diversity, equity, inclusion from a brain science standpoint. We do empathy or mediation. It's all about brain science, uh, giving people the tools that they need to be more effective in the work that they're trying to get done. So, you know, uh, Jason, you were talking about earlier about the, the kind of the shift in mindset of the Gen Z folks. And, and here's something that just, it, it will blow your mind, but probably won't based on what you were just saying, is that every new named generation has been assigned the labels of lazy and entitled. Oh. Like, if you look back at like old time magazine covers, it was like Gen Z, they're so lazy and entitled. They want everything handed to them. You know, millennials, they're lazy and entitled. Everything's handed to them. Gen X, they're so lazy and entitled. Boom. Or like every generation that's been named has been like, oh, they're so lazy and entitled. And I think that's just a function of progress, right? Mm -hmm. So, so technology is advancing. So we don't have to worry about certain things that our parents had to worry about. So to our parents, like, oh, look how lazy you don't have to walk uphill in the snow both ways. Right. right? Uh, and so that's just kind of a function of it. Uh, there was a, a session I was in and the gentleman who was introducing me, he did the whole, you know, Gen Z roasting that people yeah. like to do. Um, and he's like, you know, I, we had this, this, uh, the survey and the Gen Z folks, they want uh, uh, meaning in their work. They want uh, tons of time off. They want to be able to assign their values to their work. And, oh, isn't this crazy? And I got up there after him. I was like, tell me one person that doesn't want that. Right. They're, right. they're the first ones to ask for it. Right. Yeah. Because we create an environment where it's like, hey, we can be a little bit more ourselves. And I would rather have five weeks off every year. Wouldn't you? Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're just asking for it. So anyway, it's, it's really fascinating once we start to explore what other people are going through, given the context around them. Mm -hmm. And so they don't seem as, as, as crazy anymore. It's like, oh, just given that context, of course, of course. That's that's so such an interesting way to describe what's happening. I talk a lot about the shift of power that nice. also happened in recent years. We can ask for that because it's not ludicrous anymore to expect to have a life and to be a human at work, inside, outside work, just you know, human all the way around, even when I clock into work. Like that's not a ludicrous notion anymore, but saying that you had a mental health issue in the workplace 50 years ago feels a whole lot different than it does today. So a lot has changed to change that conversation, including the fact that we've uh, that, that, that employee power has shifted in a way that we can say uh, what we want, expect, and need from the workplace, from leadership, from an empowerment standpoint, and we have choices. Choice has to go with that. We have the choice to make a decision in our own best interest, and we can vote with our feet. This doesn't right. work for me, so I'll go somewhere that it does. Mm -hmm. um, all of those things have to be true for, for this revolution that we're seeing right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really interesting. You know, one of the things that our brains, the human brain wants to do is, is boil things down to simple simplicity or categorize. And we do this all over the place. Um, but one of the things that the biggest dichotomies we see is the, the right versus wrong dichotomy. And even, even the conversation about returning to work, it's like you have two camps of people. It's right to return to work or it's wrong to return to work. 
And in that context, well, you're just going to have a debate because that's an un, un, unsolvable problem. For some people, it is better to to work from home, given their context. For some people, it's better to be at work. And there's everyone else in between. And so what we can do is we can allow all of those to exist in our space and say, all right, we would prefer to have a lot of folks together in this for, for this kind of work. Does that work for you? Right. I had one, one friend of mine, uh, he was IT for uh, a county in California. And it didn't work for him, like going into the office to sit and be bothered by a bunch of people to do less work and to spend three hours in the car commuting every day. He's yeah. like, why, why would I do that? And so he ended, he ended up, he actually ended up moving to Portugal, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> um, but but it's, it's, we have to acknowledge that everyone has their own situation. And the more we can appreciate that the humanity in each other's situations, we can have better results for each other. Yeah. So, Eric, one of the things I'm really interested in about, I'm looking at the, some of the chats, and I, they're all tied to this. But, I mean, there was a time, and, you know, I, I'm, uh, well, uh, there was a time where the, there was, I remember the clickbait where they'd say the millennials are coming. <laughs> you know, uh, guess what? In the next five years, the workforce is going to be 40% millennials, you know, and, it takes an old person, older person to remember that. But there, I mean, there was a time yep. when that happened and, you know, ever uh, work was going to change and it actually didn't change that much. Mm -hmm. um, fascinating COVID, the pandemic, but there are two pandemics, the, the health pandemic, as well as the social justice pandemic mm -hmm. changed work in 2020 more than the millennials did. Mm -hmm. um, which is really interesting. So, you know, or at least interesting to, a geek like me when I think about this stuff. So when you think about that and you think about these generations, um, you know, and I don't know if you have children or not, Jess has children, I have children, uh, older children for me, 15 and 18, but I know that the way that they're gonna enter the workforce, they're not expecting, uh, they're expecting things completely different than the way I entered the workforce, for example. Uh, from an experience standpoint, from a, you know, they're getting a lot of mixed messages. My 15 year old asked me this question yesterday. This I should have led with this because I think it's so fascinating. He's like, what does it mean when they say bring your whole self to school? Huh. And I was like, someone told you to bring your whole self to school? He's like, like, how do you only bring half yourself? <laughs> and it was such a fascinating thing. And I was like, well, what do you mean? What do you, I kind of didn't know what to say. So I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Bring your whole self to school. I'm like, yeah, you bring your whole self. He's like, why would I not? Yeah. And that, like, when he said that, the why would I not? I was yeah. like, whoa. So I, like, I, I just went on a little bit of a tangent there, but I hope that makes sense. So, yeah. like, like, millennials weren't bringing their whole self. If Gen Z does bring their whole self and a 15 year old is being told at school to bring their whole self, what does that mean to work? Yeah, that's that's I mean, honestly, the goal, the goal, the goal of of all leadership development is how can you draw out the whole humanity of your team? Right. Uh, there's a couple books by uh, Patrick Lencioni, and he talks about the, the three signs of a miserable job and mm -hmm. all of them relate to 
knowing the person at work, what they do, and also what they care about outside of work, right? The whole, so that's kind of been a part of the, I don't want to say the, the fringe of leadership, but it's always been there. It just, people are so focused on numbers and data that they don't actually get to that part. That's why we have so many bad managers, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, go ahead, finish. I want to get to the bad managers part. But no, but I mean, that's, that's been the whole thing. And so as, as more folks have learned about what they care about at work, they're trying to set that expectation for their children. Mm. And, and I mean, I, I do have three kids and um, uh, the principal came up to me because, you know, I, I, I do this kind of speaking and, and consulting for a living. She came up to me and she said, Hey, would you just come in and talk to our second graders, third graders and fourth graders? I was like, yeah, sure. I'd love to. She's like, okay, well, the number one thing that they need is they need to know that they can push through things. They need to know that they have their community, that they can bring their whole selves. And like, that is something that wow. principals and teachers are actually encouraging and giving kids the tools to overcome things that I, I never got when I was in school. And it's, it's really interesting that when we see as they start to grow up and they start working their first jobs at McDonald's or whatever, like they're going to have some expectations that, yes, I want to be able to say that, darn, I got a flat tire on the way into work and I'm feeling kind of bummed about it instead of, you know, slap a smile on your face and just go fake it till you make it. Right. They're going to actually have more healing and then actually better behavior going forward if we give them time to process. Mm-hmm. So, so going back, so that whole self thing, just because this whole thing had me questioning yet intrigued yeah. yet, like, so, and then you brought bad managers. So that took a certain kind of teacher to say that a and B, it would take a certain kind of teacher to actually leverage that, not just say it. Yeah. I think we can say it all day long, but to leverage it, to say, hey, Alex, you brought your whole self to school, but let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And so now think about, let's tie that to managers. You know, we, from a employee value proposition, say, hey, you can bring your whole self to work. You know, cool, like I'm bringing all of me, not just leaving two fingers at home, I'm bringing all of me. You know, but if my managers, if managers don't talk to people in that kind of a way, and Brad, like you said, it takes a certain kind of student to hear it. It takes a tr- certain kind of worker to trust that they can do that. Like, I'd love your thoughts on just the, that whole concept of good versus bad manager. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's, again, there's a, there's a lot of complexity and nuance in there. Um, but one of the, the, the most routine things we see is that people are promoted to manager because they're wonderful individual contributors. They did their job well. Yes. So now you're in charge of other people to hopefully get them to do their job well. Yeah. Well, what we typically don't do is we don't give people the tools to help folks do their jobs well. Maybe they don't even know what is special or unique about them that had them do their job well. And so they just, just say, hey, do it like me, do it like me, be like me. Well, what does that mean? How do I, how do I do, how do I think like you? That well, you're just you're doing it or you're not doing it. And so you see this kind of push-pull of expectations versus actual behaviors. And a lot of times managers will just kind of shove people into a mold of themselves. And when the person doesn't fit that mold, then that there's going to be that that friction. And so then people cannot bring their whole selves to work because I need to show up like my manager. Mm-hmm. Right? So you see a lot of that. And so 
what what we see often a lot of times is people will leave they'll 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 disengage we have the quiet quitting epidemic going on right people are just like i, I don't want to have to deal with this and so the whole idea of giving managers the tools to understand that hey you know jess you might you might accomplish the job exactly perfectly you just might get there in a different way than i would yeah That's fantastic good for you help me understand what you did to get there and we have to understand that there's a lot of different ways, a lot of ways to achieve the same thing. Um, but the problem, the pitfall we run into all the time is if you don't think the way I think or you don't do it the way I do it, I'm going to judge you. There is something wrong with you. There's something wrong with the way you think, something wrong with the way you talk, something wrong with the way you act or whatever. And I'm going to say, do it my way. And, and we see this yeah. idea, this, this, this micromanaging happening and all these things happen, which suppresses the whole self. It suppresses the humanity in our employees. And then we see what happens, right? Our, 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 I think our yeah. productivity nationwide is uh, lower than it's ever been. Like, I think the, the biggest drop uh, uh, in 50 years, uh, which is, mm. it's, it's a symptom, right? It's a sign. You know, this whole bring your whole self to work. So I, I spent a lot of time on this concept uh, last year because it was all the rage. Everybody's becoming people-centered workforces. We're going to create a more human workforce. Everybody's doing their DEI work. They're trying to figure out creating digital culture and these hybrid work models. So this was all the rage. Whole person. Bring your whole self to work. And, and Eric, just I just have to say, as someone who shares an office space with Jess, maybe one or two days a week, last year was heck listening to that every day because every time she would read Something that said, bring your whole self to work. She's like, oh my God, if I read one more thing about bring your whole self to work, I'm going to go crazy. No one wants you to bring your whole self to work. Okay. Yes. Here's the thing about bringing your whole self to work. Number one, your employer probably doesn't deserve your whole self. Well, you can't Whoa. just say Whoa. it. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> You can't just say it. You can't invite it unless you're ready for it, unless you have made yourself deserving and ready to act. When somebody says, okay, here's my whole self, it's a damn mess. I have issues I hide. I'm a caregiver. I need a lot of flexibility that I don't ask for. I have mental health concerns. I. What if somebody gives you all this stuff and you go, well, that's not what, that is actually not what we asked for. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be ready for what you're asking for. And so when I say you don't deserve, you probably haven't done enough work mm. to say what happens when you suddenly have a bunch of whole selves, imperfect selves, broken, needy. You're like, okay, what are you going to do with all of these whole selves? And there's a whole lot of trust that needs to happen. Right. If you're asking me for a new contract, that is, I'll bring my whole self and you're going to know what to do with whole self. We have to trust each other. Mm -hmm. We have to trust that I'm going to give you parts and pieces of me that I haven't been giving, assumably haven't been giving, and you're going to do the right thing with that. That's mm -hmm. a that's a different contract than we've had historically with our employers to Mark's point. I know truth bomb. You guys, I have to like Mark's point earlier, your employer says, thank you. Every, every two weeks signs your paycheck. That's good enough. That's the contract we had. We're proposing a different contract and we've done nothing to build trust. We've done nothing to earn this new relationship we're asking for. So 
that's where I say, slow down and do the work. What are you going to do with a bunch of whole people? And then you're still going to hold them accountable to their quota. And you're still going to say, get back to work. That's enough of this whole self business. Get back to work. Like, how are we going to have that conversation? There, I'm done. <laughs> no, that's that's beautiful. And I love, I love that you said that um, because the, the exactly what you said, the contract is changing. Right. So there there we are. We are talking about mental health at work more than we ever have been. And and we're discussing. I mean, I, I don't know if you're, you're aware of the data, but uh, uh, uncertainty breeds anxiety. And we had a, a few years of drastic uncertainty. I mean, I was just talking with a woman and she's still washing her vegetables as she brings it home from the grocery store and she, tremendous uncertainty. And that has, has bred this kind of bloom of anxiety, which means that our employees are more anxious than they ever have been. And our ability to handle that, to cradle that and welcome that as the whole self is going to be the thing that can, can differentiate us. If we're able to say, Hey, if you're anxious, here are some tools that we, we have to offer. Here are some things that I personally have gone through uh, offering some vulnerability. And the thing is, most people, as you said, they're not willing to do that work. They're not willing to go there. And so if you can, if you can be the one that can, you'll stand out. Mm-hmm. You'll stand out. Be, be the one that the employees want to talk to. That, if you, here, here's a great indicator. And we, we, I, like, I like data. I like data, um, uh, like indicators. Data. He says data, not data. <laughs> um, wants, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if if someone is comfortable enough with you to come into your space or come to you and cry, that is a tremendous sign that they trust you. Mm, yeah. How you respond to that is going to build the culture. So if you are super uncomfortable with people crying, first and foremost, I'm going to get a little soapbox here. We need to destigmatize crying at work. Um, crying is a physical manifestation of strong emotion. It's yeah. just like laughing. So if you have strong emotions, sometimes people will excrete tears from their eyes. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just a manifestation of strong emotion. Um, but if someone if someone does it to you, it makes you uncomfortable. It's not about you, right? Have a little box of tissues and slide it over to them allow them to cry, allow them to have that reaction. Don't make a big deal of it one way or the other. Let them be themselves in that space and, mm-hmm. and then move forward with whatever whatever the conversation is. And and how you respond, that is a sign of trust. They will trust you more. Yeah. That, that, that is what, that's what we need. Honestly, as a society, we are so terrible at fully processing our emotions. We have to keep it down because, you know, we, we live on this world uh, of Facebook and Instagram and TikTok where everything has to be beautiful and perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and if we have to share something, we're going to share something good, right? I mean, nine times out of 10. And so we have this curated life where if something bad happens, we're just going to go right to the next thing. We're going to go right to the next positive thing. And we don't even process ourselves. And yeah. we need to get to a space where we can do the processing of our emotions like fully, completely. And so, you know, talking about bringing your whole self to work, bring your whole self to yourself. Yes. Be be real with yourself first, with your immediate family yeah. first, with your friends group first, and then start doing the work. Because, I mean, we, we can change the world if if we're able to, to do that work with each other. I think that's the big difference is that we, we 
had workplaces before, and now we're designing communities. That's right. a huge difference. Jason, go ahead. No, I have to, like, I, I this Melissa, you know, Melissa is one of our brilliant colleagues. Bring Melissa on! Come, no, 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 no. Okay. We used to have, we don't, that, Melissa's so brilliant, we'll never hear. We'll, we, this will be like a five-hour recording. And okay, she'll podcast. get her own session. Yeah, we need her our own session with Melissa. But um, the uh, the she's what she just said was fun fact on gender dynamics of crying. Um, oh, now I lost. Oh, there we go. Uh, men have deeper tear ducts than women, and so oftentimes are crying, but just not visibly. And I swear, it's so funny that Melissa said this because I was in New York City and my flight was delayed. And I was so tired. I mean, first of all, I got that hug. But then I was so tired. I got on the plane. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we got a mechanical. You know how long sometimes it takes here at LaGuardia and we'll get back to you in 15 minutes. It's like 45 minutes. They still haven't got back to me. And I, goodness sakes, I think I was crying mm -hmm. on the inside. I don't think anyone saw it. I don't think there's anything external. But I feel like I was crying. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really interesting that I, I've never thought of crying as bad. Maybe I, that, maybe I missed that class. Good, good for you, because a lot of folks, honestly, mostly men, are uncomfortable with women crying. And mm -hmm. so and so we've been giving out, you know, we collectively as a society have been giving out this advice, you know, don't show emotion at work, which, which is like the subtext is don't cry at work, which is sub subtext women don't cry at work mm -hmm. um which essentially means that you know if, if given between the two base genders men or women women are more likely to cry based on strong emotions and so basically what we're saying is don't bring your entire emotion range emotional range to work which is i mean imagine swapping cry for laugh and say don't laugh at work right how bizarre is that you know, yeah. and so so th there there there's a lot. Well, there's a here. person in the chat that just said their past boss had know. a no crying policy. There it is. Made him very comfortable, and he didn't know how to handle it. Mm -hmm. That how that's that's where that's where it comes that? from. That's oh, where it comes God. from. And and you know, I think that as our workplaces change, and we start to really understand what's going on again, right? It's not just the behaviors; what's going on underneath it. We can say, oh, we've kind of created these ideas, these, this, it's a culture. No crying is a culture, right? Mm -hmm. We created this culture where, you know, half the population can't bring their full emotional range, which is, which is detrimental to their, their output. And, and so I think that there's, there's so much work that we can do. And here's something just fun. We were talking about the different generations, right? Different generations operate differently. Um, there is no genetic marker that identifies a generational difference, like hmm. none. Mm -hmm. there, there's no genetic or biologic marker that that identifies a racial difference, none. And so we have these very clear categories of, of generation and of race, but they're all social construct. We have created yes. to create categories, and then we see what's the what's what comes of these categories. Well, you know, if I say millennials are blank, the first thing you're going to think of is lazy and entitled, negative things. Mm -hmm. right? And then you may come up with creative or whatever. But the first things we think of, and and same thing with race stuff. Right? So we have these these created uh, categories so we can generalize a group of people. And and as we start to really understand the nuance of what I what I call the infinite variability of humanity, it's like oh, there is so much more complexity 
in this that, than we ever thought possible. And we have to let go of some of these kind of social constructs, these kind of cultures we've created, so we can explore that and see what's on the other side, because it's beautiful on the other side. Mm. So I just have to call it since, uh, you know, once Cecilia's getting uh, a lot of uh, commentary here. Cecilia said diversity goes beyond gender and race. It's about different way of thinking or reacting to stress yes. and uncertainty. Yes. The underlying mindset is accepting differences and stop trying to clone everyone. Yes, that's powerful. Totally. You remember the, uh, I don't remember how the, na how the name is in Russian, Mastruska, uh, the, the Russian nesting dolls. Right. And so you look you look at a bunch of leaders across organizations across the country and literally you just take one out and then there's the next layer down and you take one out. and That's the next layer. Down. It's like the same carbon copy. And you ask people why that happens. Well, I want to hire people that I want to spend time with people that I like. Well, the people that I like or think like me, talk like me, act like me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have this, you know, this nesting doll effect and exactly exactly that. Elena knows she's Russian. Thank you. Elena also put a comment in here, which I think is really interesting. I'd love your thoughts on this, both Eric and Jess. Uh, throwing a monkey wrench here, how would we feel about seeing the full range of anger at work? What would we feel about embracing that? Per personally? I think that it's a very powerful emotion that can communicate a lot of things. And when when people have a strong anger emotion or anger response to something, I like to you know take it out of take it out of, out of the, the group space and try to figure out what's going on, what is causing that. Many times it's not the thing that they're angry about. It's something else or things have been building up for a while that kind of okay, now it's coming out. And if you can if you can get them to a place where they feel safe with you, they trust you with that emotion, thank them for for trusting you, then see what's there. And you might be able to solve a lot of people's problems by really identifying what's causing that anger emotion. Now, what can happen is anger can be disruptive, right? It can be harmful. It can be triggering for other folks. Um, and so, so what I always like to do is if I start to notice the signs of anger, and there's some very, very common physiological signs of anger, start to notice those, like say, hey, let's just take a pause right here and then and bring the conversation off to the side and try to do that work. Uh, but I, I always, I always try to encourage people to bring their full, their full range, because if I say something that causes you anger, I want you to be able to communicate it to me so that when I'm interacting with you, I don't do that again, or I understand how we can communicate more effectively. Not to be simplistic, but sometimes I think we overthink a whole lot of things when it comes to talking about people and relationships. My easiest way to, to simplify all of this, and it's, it is pretty easy for me with three little kids, is to think about a school playground. I don't care if you're, somebody might steal your kickball on the playground and you are justified in your anger that that's not fair. Is it okay to drop kick the person who just stole your kickball? No, the, like, we have to still think about manners and appropriate behavior and learning how to communicate in a healthy way and like keep each other safe. Like that's my simplistic way. I always bring it back to the school playground because I have those conversations every day when I go home. How should you respond in that situation? I hear you, I see you. How did you respond? How should you respond? Do you need help? That's leadership.
right yeah. there. And that, I mean, so, so Jason, that's my simplistic way of saying full range of emotions. Sure. But there are some things that are still not cool and you have to own like your own expression of emotions in a healthy way so that people can engage with you. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you engage with outrage? Like, yeah. I don't know how, like, but if you bring this to me and say, hey, I'm really pissed off about the pay gap. Can we talk about that? I know how to engage with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what you, what you just identified there, Jess, is the distinction between the feeling or the emotion and the behavior. And that's that's so beautiful. We can validate the feeling. Like, yes, I see you. I hear you. I understand why you're feeling this way. Yes. And we don't have to validate the behavior if someone does decide to act horribly or whatever, right? And so that's that's very powerful. And when we feel like if I'm, if, let's say I'm upset about something and Jess, you come up to me and say, Eric, I totally get why you're feeling that way. Like, holy smokes, that is that is exactly what I need. I don't need someone to tell me to calm down. Yeah. Quick word of word, never tell anyone to calm down. In the history of ever, it doesn't work, right? But if you tell me you understand my feeling like that lowers that I, I feel seen yeah right? and that and that that's that human connectivity you don't have to like if i if i'm feeling upset and i go and punch a wall mm-hmm. which i've never done but right you can say eric i totally understand why you're upset probably mm-hmm. should never punch a wall again right and those are two completely separate things yeah uh so eric i, I want to get to this um because i was doing some jess prep Oh, you did? For our call, for the session. <laughs> Jess, prep. I love it. I'm impressed. And I noticed you had a store on your website. And the stuff on your store matches that sign behind you. Oh, right. yes. Let's talk about that. Can you talk about like where that came from um, and what it means? Because I was like, wow, this is cool that I've got t-shirts, you know, I've got mugs, and then the I see you and there's that sign. Yeah. Can you talk yeah. to that? So uh, right after my wife and I started our business, this is back in 2016, uh, we, were, we were at this like random country fair in uh, or town fair in Ione, Washington, uh, which is a place you've never heard of, but it's like far east, north Washington, like near Canada. Um, and we, my family has, has a, a place out there. So we're all there hanging out. And this woman had a shirt that was kind of similar to it. Um, uh, but my, my, my bachelor's degree from Arizona state university go sun devils, uh, is in graphic design. So I'm like, I can do better. And so, and so I don't know if you can see the full sign, but the full sign says, believe that there is goodness in the people of the world. And then uh, the the words "be the good in the world" are kind of highlighted, which is really kind of fun. And you know, I like kind of graphic plays like that. Um, and so that kind of became the oh, cool! Look at that. Uh, uh, that became really the theme of our business is is wow. one believing that there's goodness in the people of the world, and then also being the good in the world. Yeah. Um, and and people have been asking, honestly, since we started the business, like, can we put this on t-shirts? Like, can we do it? And, uh, and we're like, oh, no, I don't know how to, I don't know. I don't, we don't want to waste our time, like with side projects. Um, and, and after, you know, a couple of years of my wife pushing me, um, uh, we finally got it up and running uh, last year and, and people love it. And the coffee mugs are great. Uh, the t-shirts people are wearing, I, I start to see them out in public. Hey, I like that shirt. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all about just kind of the, the kind of the duality of 
looking at someone and, and believing that there's goodness in them. And then also kind of turning the, 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 the mirror around and looking at ourselves and say, how can I be the good in the world? What can I do for the world uh, that's going to kind of move it forward? And that's, uh, that's it. And I, and I love it. I'm excited. I'm glad, I'm glad you noticed it because uh, it's, it's something that kind of speaks to my heart. You might have heard me say I have a nonprofit for girls at the beginning of the call. I did. I feel did. a merch order coming. So <laughs> much to talk about next week. Ah, oh, so incredible. Steve just said share the link in the chat. Let me uh, do that real quick. As the director, uh, there's also that little green button there that says be the good official store. That will do it as well. Uh, let's get to Cecilia's last comment before we end here. Jess, I do agree on simplicity. To do what we have to go back to what is common to all of us, which is humanity. Uh, we all want to be successful, but be connected, follow a purpose. Each of those dimensions will translate into something different for each of us. The key for companies is to enable every employee to achieve their individual oh. definition of each of those dimensions. Yeah. I mean, that. so this is kind of the thing about DEI work. And we talk a lot about equity and parity and, you know, creating inclusion and belonging in the workplace. Equity doesn't mean equal. It doesn't mean the same. We don't all need to have the same experience, the same thing. I can promise you we don't all need the same accommodation. Uh, when we talk about what would make work better for you, the answer is going to be you're going to get 100 answers asking 100 different people. Um, and so, yes, Cecilia, yes, think simply, but that's that's really what we mean when we're talking about human-centered design and people-centric workplaces. I know, who is Cecilia? Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. But that's what we're talking about, everything being individualized. That could be the person that gave me the hug in the airport, Jess. Oh. You don't know. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ah. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so I'll much. see you next week in beautiful San Diego, the 612 or something. No, 619. That was a fun session. That was fun. Uh, and happy birthday. Who, who has a birthday tomorrow? Brad, happy birthday tomorrow. You share a birthday with my daughter, Ainsley. She turns 14 tomorrow. Happy, happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Ainsley. Yeah. Should we all sing? No, better not. We're out of time. She'd be uh, so, she's so, going to be 14. That would be oh, yeah. fine. That would embarrass her. Um, <laughs> I hope everyone has a great weekend. Thank you all for being here. Um, next Friday, April 21st, same place, same channel, new guest. Uh, love y'all. Yes. Have a great weekend. Have a good week next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody.